Welcome to Multiclass Theater 4, Citizens on Patrol. Multiclass Theater uses Dungeons & Dragons 5th Edition by Wizards of the Coast and contains adult language, fantasy violence, pop culture references, and an ever-expanding cast. That's a feature, not a bug. Now settle in and enjoy the show. Last time. Our heroes left the Shrouded Isle aboard their new ship, the Hammerfist, bound for Tearfall, where Silway's family has some holdings. Although Silway put those not-a-thief skills to work breaking into the Asilia estate, all she needed to do was knock, for Sildal was expecting the party all along. Some spirited conversation ensued, in which it was learned that there may be a way of reinforcing the wards around the Heart of Tear. But such magic could now only be found in Sisha, in the tomb of Drelatar, or perhaps in the archives of the Order of Chaos. Which sounds really oxymoronic now that I think about it. Silway also learns that her family's affairs have largely fallen to ruin in Tearfall. And so with a heavy heart, she decides that her greater responsibility lies here. As our heroes now set out to find a guide across the desert, we bid farewell to our sorceress rogue, or roguish sorcerer, we never worked that out, on Multiclass Theater. It's still early morning when you leave the Asilioth summer home. Your hearts and your heads are heavy, maybe a little bit lost as you think about your goodbye, about Silway, about the future. Wondering, you know, if your paths will cross again, or hopefully when. The upper district of Tearfall is quiet this morning. Birds hop from tree to tree. You see a few children running in the street, laughing, playing. For them, life goes on as normal. For you, it feels different. You walk the streets in relative silence each lost in your own thoughts. Down the hill, alongside the canal, into the middle district, you find yourselves in a nest of government buildings. Tall stone structures, imposing with columns, few windows, many statues, lots of ornate carving. And there, up several stairs, in back of a statue of a large pen, is the Central Archive. It's hard to tell if it's open or closed, but you're thinking it's late enough in the morning. It should be open by now. Why not give it a try? You mount the steps, Desmond in the lead, for once, moving with a little bit of a brisker pace, as if he's eager for what the morning may reveal. You throw open a heavy bronze door, and are swallowed by a dark interior. It takes your eyes a moment to adjust, as you see small lanterns resting on a high desk before you. Around you are shelves of books, scrolls, stone boxes, and up near the ceiling, letting in just a very small amount of sunlight, are rows of maybe two, three-inch tall windows, which provide most of the illumination of the archives. Seated atop the tall desk 
is a small woman with her hair pulled extremely tightly in a bun. She has reading glasses on. She scratches at something on the table with a long, feathery quill. She seems oblivious to your entrance. Desmond will kind of look to his companions and look to this woman and walk on up to her. Like... She completely ignores your small throat-clearing noise. Uh, Hello? Oh, hello! Yes, Uh, hello. How are you today? I am very good. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. Um, Who are you? I cannot see anyone over this desk. Oh, that's uh, that's that's quite all right. Um, my name is Desmond, uh, and and these are my companions. Desmond. Yes. I do not know a Desmond. Oh, uh, well, I don't think that we've ever had the pleasure of meeting before. Um. Anyway, um, I'm I'm here because um. Are you the head of the um the archive? Uh, may, might I do I have the, the pleasure of speaking to the uh, the person in charge of of this? I am the head archivist. Oh, yes, and and what? My name is Vilma Birdsog. Oh, that's a very interesting name. Uh, it is very good to meet you. <laughs> good, good to meet you as well, Miss Birdsog. Um. Anyway, I, I I was down at the uh, the harbor the other day, and and we had the uh, uh, we, we we spoke with a rather um, rather uh, uh, ornery uh, harbor master down there, and I, and I was uh, speaking. I I wished to inquire about a certain uh, ship that might have docked here some time ago, and and he said that I should come here to seek such a such a record, and and uh, well, here I am. What is the name of this ship? Oh, um, uh, did you ask what is the name of the ship? I did. I'm sorry if you cannot understand <laughs> the way in which I speak. I thought you said it is. It is a th- very <laughs> peculiar accent. No, no, no. That no, only no. my family seems to possess. We are but rare birds adrift on ill winds. <laughs> All right. That's, that's quite all right, Miss Herzog. There's no need to apologize for your for your no, particular Vertzog. dialect. Herzog. 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 Yes. Sorry. Okay. Well, anyway, um, <laughs> the name of the ship is is the Caliban. Uh, I don't know how far back uh, this ship might have docked, but I. Uh, Our records go back to the beginning of time. Well, uh, I don't think it will go that far back, but um, but that's good to know. Then perhaps you'll have a record of this of this vessel. Perhaps. I would like you to step forward to the rail. There you will see pieces of parchment, a quill, and a box. Write your request upon the paper. Put it in the box and let fate decide. All right. I admit I am not familiar with the customs of this particular region, but all right, I will do as you say, Miss Herzog. It is our way. My brother had an idea to change the cataloging system, but then he went and became a criminologist. <laughs> all right. <laughs> I love how confused Matt is right now. 
<laughs> Desmond looks over his shoulder at his companions, and, and though he says no words, his eyes just say, like, what the fuck is going on here? I have no clue. But I will do as this woman says, and I will um, write down the name of the ship and fold up the paper and put it in the box. You place the paper in the box. You shut the lid. And a moment passes, and nothing happens, and you look up at Vilma, almost as if to say, what now? When a blue being rises from the box, like an apparition, and begins to float across from you, down one of the rows. It stops about 15 feet away from you, and turns back to you, looking at you, as if expecting you to follow it. Well, what are you waiting for? Um, uh, uh, yes, yes, of, of, of course. And I am... Follow the spirit. Keep your thought in your heart. And perhaps you will avoid the tragedy that waits for us all. I can't do it as well as Adam, but, you know. It's a good, good try. Every time I feel like I've seen the weirdest possible shit this continent has to offer, we find something even weirder. Yes. Like, I'm kind of numb to it now. It's like, all right, they could just have, like, a list of stuff you can look up in alphabetical order. Nope. <laughs> Library ghost. I was thinking the same thing, but um, I didn't I didn't want it. Well, I had... Perhaps, perhaps it would be best if you all uh, waited here, or, or, um... Yeah, I've seen what happens when you get too close to a library ghost, so I'm gonna definitely hang out here. What happens when you get too close to a library ghost? I, I... It's all... And then you run out and start a ghost-capturing business with your buddies, and by putting your friend's house up on, like, triple mortgage. It's getting away. I will follow it. Right. <laughs> yes, don't you, don't you think you'd want some support, Desmond? Or... Would you rather go about this on your own? You know what, actually, um, maybe some support would be nice. Uh, I okay, didn't, uh... we'll, we'll go with you. Well, no sense you. in splitting the party. <laughs> uh, right, yes. Mist? Mist stops writing Shard of Tear on a piece of paper. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, sure, I, I, yes, that, that is what we will do. Goody. Then Desmond follows the library ghost. You begin to move down the aisle, and as the library ghost senses your presence, begins to move ahead of you. It winds its way through the stacks, and then down some stairs, and then down another set of stairs, and another set of stairs. And with each landing, you kind of look out at the rooms, the floors you pass, and you just see more and more aisles, more and more stacks of books and scrolls and other things kept in the archive. This is fascinating to Desmond. You go down perhaps about six levels and the library ghost exits the stairs and begins weaving through the stacks on that level. You're wondering how deep this place may go when the ghost comes to a stop levitates up towards the top of the shelf and points at a worn, leather-bound book. I take it this is our destination. The 
ghost does not say anything. It just floats there, pointing at the book. All right. Desmond will reach up, remove the book, and open it. Okay, give me a dexterity check. It is high up there. Natural four. Okay, Desmond starts to climb the shelf, and you get about one shelf up, and then your foot slips, and you fall back down to the ground. Hmm. Uh, oh, for um, Mist will start scampering up as soon as Desmond he sees Desmond slip. Thank you. Okay, Mist, you clamber up the bookcases, and you retrieve the book, and you bring it back down. Thank you. Pre- much appreciated. Yep. Well, climbing on bookshelves is kind of second nature. <laughs> I feel like as, as we were walking down, he just like stares and he's like staring at awe and all these, at all these levels of books and archives, just wishing that he could spend weeks here just researching and learning about the world, but knowing that he cannot do so because, you know, we got to save the world or whatever. <laughs> or whatever. Or whatever. So he opens the book. So you go to open the book, and you notice that on the cover, it's very faded in sort of uh, embossed in sort of gold leaf. It says, Ship Registry. And the year listed is the year 6,702. What's the year now? Let's see if I do my math correctly. It is, well, see, there's two different calendars. There's a Tyran calendar, and there's a Rothian calendar. In the Rothian calendar, is year 324. Okay. And in the Tyran cal- calendar, it's like year, I don't know, 10,000-something. And the, the ship log said what year again? I'm sorry. 6,702, I think. It's roughly 3,000 years ago. Or, yeah, 3,000, 4,000 years ago. That makes him pause for a second. All right. Um, 3,000 years ago. I expected maybe, uh, maybe 40 years ago, 50. Interesting. And opens a book. Okay, you open the book, and you start um, flipping through. And you see in the book, it is a it is a list of the registration of new vessels when they were commissioned. Mm. Okay. It's a fairly thick book, so it takes you some time to flip through, but thankfully it is... I would say thankfully there is an index in the book to which you are able to look up the Caliban. And that you find that it was registered and commissioned in the fifth month of the year 6702 by House Anarath. Okay. And then you look um, up, you kind of glance up at the library ghost, and it's still waiting there for you. And it gestures you forward. Ah, oh, wonderful. As he reads, telling his, telling his friends... This is when the, uh, the ship was commissioned 3,000 years ago. That would make much more sense. <laughs> Very well. Uh, then he'll uh, close the book, give it to Mist to put back up on the shelf, and then follow the ghost. Mist, do you put the book back? or uh, Most libraries get cranky when you do that, so Mist is just going to like... <laughs> Hang on. I think he's just going to like look around and then just put it on the shelf right in front of him, just like <laughs> laying on its side. Mist... Uh, you let you set the book on the shelf, 
and suddenly the library ghost lowers, floats down in front of you, and its eyes narrow as it glares at you from several inches away. And it points at the book. Yes, it's at the book. Points at the book. It points at the shelf where the book belongs. It points at you. Fuck's sake. <laughs> All right. He <laughs> takes the book in his mouth and then climbs up back up to the spot. Okay. The ghost watches you warily, but does not seem to do anything. As you put the book back. As you do so, you notice that the cover that the leather-bound cover bears two imprints on each side from your fangs. But you did not pierce the book. They are simply imprints. And once you're done, you follow the ghost again, winding back up through the archives, up the stairs, towards, you're guessing, you're hoping, possibly more recent entries. And the spirit leads you into a small... Well, it's, it appears at first to be a small room. But what you realize is this is sort of an antechamber to a much larger room. As you enter the room, the ghost pauses. It waves its hand. And you see ahead of you, in the larger room, about 200, maybe 300 books illuminate. Um, am I to take it then that all of these have references to the Caliban? The ghost nods. Ah, right. Hmm. What about, um, which of these books is the most recent? The latest entry? The ghost waves its hand, and all but one dim. Ah, excellent. Thank you. I'll walk over to that one. And, assuming it's not too high <laughs> i will take it no it's not it's this one is uh much it's at about kind of eye level okay um i will take that one off the shelf and look at the title you look at the title and it says tearfall port log and the year listed is the year 9207 so roughly 65 ish years ago sounds more like 800 if we're in the yeah. year 10,000 yeah, closer to a thousand. Yeah. Oh wait, we're in the year oh ten thousand. Yeah. Oh. Okay. I'll take it off and I'll open that book and I'll find the Caliban. Okay, you find the Caliban uh, was last in that port in the eleventh month of that year, and it seemed to um, bring in cargo from the corridor, um, trade goods, sundries, cloth. Nothing all that interesting or unusual, um, but that seems to be the last date that the Caliban was at this port. Looks over it. It uh, looks back to the ghost. This is the most the most recent entry. The ghost nods. All right. Um, well, thank you. Um, I think I've got everything I need. Uh, very interesting. Eight hundred years ago, this was the most recent. The ghost nods again. Well, um, turns to his companions. I think I've got everything I need. I wish we could spend weeks here, but, um, but unfortunately I think this will have to do for now. I'm sorry, Daisy. It's quite all right. Um, I feel as if, I have a feeling that more, um, more pieces will begin to assemble, uh, the longer that we stay together. 
the longer that I am in the world. This is only our first stop. Well, you know that at some point we'll come back to visit Silwe, and so you'll be able to come back and hopefully uh, acquire more information. Yes, 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 you're right. Yes, good point. And with that, closes the book, sets it back on the shelf. Okay, as you do so, you notice that the library ghost is gone. Just vanished. Does anyone else want to do anything in the archive before we move on? Yeah, I, I would like to know, see if Mist can get any sort of... Since Sodal was so helpful with like what the shard is and capable of doing, looking for other resources. That's right, taking shots at Sodal when she's not even here. Nah. <laughs> right, so, okay, um, the group of you climb the stairs and discover you were only uh, two levels below street level. And you find yourselves back at the main desk. Vilma is still writing and buried in a book and doesn't even seem to notice your approach. Is there a specific question you want to ask or do you want to just leave it as broad as the Shard of Tear? How about uh, known capabilities slash powers of the Shards of Tear? You put that in the box. A moment passes. And then... The ghost appears, beckons for you to follow. You follow the ghost through the stacks to the stairway, and you find yourselves descending deeper and deeper into the archives, perhaps a dozen levels down. The air is heavier down here. There are fewer lanterns lit. You even swear you see dust on some of the shelves. You don't think anyone's been down here in some time. The ghost leads you to the rear of one of the levels, to a stack of, or to a, a shelf of ancient-looking books. And you see, on the shelf, one of the books beginning to glow. Up, up, up the shelf we go. You climb the shelf, you grab the book, you bring it back down. And the title of it is, On the Shard of Tear, A Study and Conjecture by High Solar Kellis. It's a fairly... I mean, it's not as thick as the registries you were looking at, but the, the book itself is 100, 150 pages, maybe. It's going to take you a little bit of time to read through the entire thing. You're guessing that they don't have a uh, loan policy here in the archives. Is there any way to copy... A book, Miss says to the, um, to the to the library ghost, like make make two, take take it with me. I don't know why I'm gesturing. You seem to understand common speech just fine. <laughs> the ghost takes a moment. It almost seems like it's pausing for effect, to its own amusement or something, as if it does actually have some sort of inner life, and then it points upwards and then begins to float down the stacks and turns around to look at you, as if beckoning you to follow. Miss does so. Okay, the group of you travel once again up the stairs. You're getting your cardio in today. And you find yourselves standing before the front desk, where the head archivist, or the head archivist, peers down at you over the top of the desk. He says, what can I help you with? 
Um, I'd like a copy of this. Mist holds up the book. And she leans down lower over the top of the desk. And you can tell she's very short. Like, it almost seems like she's laying on top of the desk. And she lowers her glasses down the bridge of her nose, as if trying to get a good look at the top of the book. Uh, That book is part of our special collection. It is not normally made available for duplication. So you say normally isn't available for your for duplication. But that kind of suggests that maybe there are exceptions. If you had a special writ of duplication from the high solar, I could give this to you. But the high solar is up in tier and I doubt that she would see you. Mist Mist kind of turns to the party. Uh who's the high solar? Did we meet did we meet her when we were doing our thing? God's help me it's not so dull, is it? Um everyone give me a um history check. Ten plus zero is ten. Uh Winley is a thirteen. Roton's an eight. Twelve. Uh, no, none of you know exactly what the High Solar is. If only you had an actual tear in, in your party still. <laughs> well, what do we do when we can't get what we want by asking politely? <laughs> we use magic. Do you, uh, perhaps, uh, loan out books if you don't allow them to be copied? We do loan out books, but not any from the special collection. I, I don't suppose it would matter to you that this is a serious, serious situation where the information in this book could make the difference between the survival of the world? How am I to know that? It could be that you are trying to pull some sort of wool over my eyes. I, I mean, I'm actually not lying in this case. But I cannot say that you are not... She does have a point. I wish there was some kind of skill that I could have to help me convince you. Are you sure? And Mist's eyes get really big and he bats them. And the pupils dilate to almost the size of the entire eye socket as he casts Charm Person. Looks like cute puss in boots eyes. (laughs) Takes off the top hat. What do I have to beat? Uh... You get a wisdom saving throw. Well, you all look like very trustworthy people. And Hmm. our mother told us that trust was like a bird. Delicious. (laughs) 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 And so I think that you will bring it back so you may... You may borrow this book. I must insist that you leave a name, though. Oh, you, you could, um, you could put it under Chucky. Chucky, yes. Uh, and your house. Actually, put it under, put it under Sildal of House Asiliath. Oh, that's a smart idea. Sildal House Asiliath. <laughs> the Shard of Tear. Power and conjecture. I, I solar Kellis. Yes, I have everything I need. If there will be nothing else, I 
must get back to my writing. I am writing a romance novel Oh, about an arcanist who is tired of books. Good day. Good, good, good luck with that. <laughs> I hate to interject, but that sounds like a biography. Doesn't have a title. I, I'm sorry. Were you still talking to me? Oh, yes. Your your book doesn't have a title yet. I was thinking of calling it "The Death of Time." Well, that's a perplexing title. Uh, thank you. Uh, I, I guess we'll be going now. <laughs> I regret asking that question. Moving on. You leave the archivist to her writings and exit the archive once again entering the bright sunshine you blink as the light hits your eyes and you find yourselves in the now bustling city center well that was um fruitful sorry your ship hasn't been here more recently that's quite all right. Um, I suppose a, a great many things could have happened, um, just because it did not... It could have sunk. Well, uh, yes. Um, could have started taking a different route, and just for that reason, never... I mean, 6,000 years? What? That's like a long time to... Or 3,000 years is a... That's... Probably yeah. change your change your courses a lot in that amount of time. Well, that's true, yes. Just because it didn't... Um, dock here for a little over 800 years doesn't mean that it didn't make harbor somewhere else. Um, Dizzy? Yes? There was a time that, um, that I heard a song about the Caliban. But the song, uh, it unfortunately, the, the lyrics were that the Caliban had sunk and the only survivor was a young girl. Uh, so, Desmond, does does any of that ring true? Um, unfortunately, uh, nothing rings a bell. It is good to know, though. I feel like I keep learning more and more uh, pieces of this puzzle. I mean, un- unfortunately, if it sunk, you know, that that is rather sad, but it would make sense as to why it hasn't docked yes, in, but... in so many years. 800 years. And this is the ship that brought me to the island. Is that a lot of years? That sounds like a lot of years. Well, it feels like a lot of years. I don't know my exact age, but I would say it's a little less than 800. Ah. Yes. Was that a joke, Roton? <laughs> well, perhaps we should press on. And, um, I'll think on this. I appreciate all of you coming along on this little... A side journey to the archive. How uh, how long do you think you were on that island, Desmond? Oh, that—it's uh, a good question. I don't—I don't recall. Everything is so fuzzy. All I remember is that I was there, and and everything before is um the amount of years, the amount of time that passed. I feel as if it was a great deal of time, but. I cannot say for sure. Seven days, perhaps? <laughs> <laughs> if I had to guess, I would say a little more than seven days. Oh, but nine days. I, 
<laughs> yes, precisely, yes. I would guess some number of years. A great many. But ten, at least, if I were to guess. But I'm not... Again, I, I'm not sure. Time is a, is a thing that is... Very strange to me, very elusive. Um, the, the events when they took place, when everything happened. So peculiar, I don't understand. At at least ten years, you say? Perhaps, oh. if I were to guess. Well, we're glad you made it off. Oh, <laughs> thank you, yes, me as well. Though I did quite, I grow quite used to my uh, island home, it is, I do find all of this uh, quite favorable to that location. And perhaps as we visit more archives and have more time, I will piece together more of, of what has happened. And we hope to be there when you do, Dizzy. Thank you, Winley. I hope so, too. So, where are we off to now? Yes. I must say there's so much... There was so much dust in there. You know, I couldn't really see anything because it was so high. All I was getting was the dust in my nose and hair. It would be lovely if we could do something else. <laughs> yes, this desert, a uh, trek across, might be our next destination. Where was it we were going again? You were, Sudal said, <clears throat> sent you to find a scout, a guide. Oh, yeah. Who owed her a favor, who lived um, on a ranch outside yes. of town. That's right. That's right. I remember Sildal as if I've been gifted some knowledge from some otherworldly source <laughs> that we are to find a ranch. Uh, Sil Sildol instructed us to go and, and find her. She had a contact, a contact, a connection. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the mid-roll here on episode two. You know, doing these for four seasons, I'm starting to run out of things to say introducing the mid-roll. So I guess we'll just stick with what's been working, which is uh, thank you for sticking with us for four plus seasons, or I guess three plus seasons now as we roll into the fourth. Um, if you haven't had a chance to leave some feedback for us, we'd love to hear from you. Uh, leave us a review on iTunes or Spotify or wherever else you listen to us that also allows you to leave reviews and let us know that you're enjoying the show. Um, if you have left a review, thank you. We really appreciate it. Um, and if you are... Uh, so inclined, you can also donate to our Patreon, uh, patreon.com slash multiclasstheater. And those of you who are already donors, uh, thank you, thank you, thank you. It is uh, It helps us keep this show running without too much trouble. What we're in the, we're actually, we're actually now completely able to support all our hosting stuff through our Patreon donations. Is that, that correct? That is correct. We are self-sufficient at this point, which is great and yay and... I just remembered I have bonus content to put up that I haven't done so, but I will be doing soon. So by the time you hear this, there should be some up. So if you are a Patreon um, supporter, uh, check that out. We'd also love to have you on our Discord. Um, it's a great community there. A lot of discussion about, you know, everything podcast, but mostly not talks about we talk about science and movies and books and music and video games and really everything that we're kind of interested in sort of speaking of which i was kind of digging through this have any of you looked at the new the D D one yet no have you 
I only looked at character creation yeah. for it. I haven't seen any of the new... If they've, if they've done any new rule set, I haven't seen that. I think there's like a test kit out there where you can test play it. I was looking at that going, huh, maybe we should try that. But I'm also like, for being a dungeon master, really bad at learning rule sets, so... Hmm. All right, time for a new campaign. Yeah, I like them explained to me. Yeah. Or I need to listen to a podcast about it. I mean, that's kind of how I learned how to play Call of Cthulhu well was listening to the lovely Craftians. I'm like, okay, I think I get this system now. Stop. <laughs> you can't take people being nice. Stop. Yeah, well, if you haven't listened to that, they, Cassie, but you finished up your fourth season and... I did. Wow. Just wow. That's all I'm gonna say. This wow. One. And also, I poached a lot of familiar voices, so just saying. This is true. If you uh, if you like listening to us, and I hope you do, since you are listening to us, <laughs> yeah, um, uh, why not? You know, check out the lovely Craftians. But see, the thing is, you can't just start at the episodes we're in. You'll be totally lost, and you'll miss out a lot of great storytelling. So start at the very beginning. Yeah, download all of it. I don't. You don't even <laughs> have to listen. Just download all of it. <laughs> And then you two can construct your own timeline of the last season, which I'm still not quite sure how you fit all that in a two-week period, but I guess the math works. I had to plot it out because otherwise it was like, it was a lot. And I had to force the characters to have a rest day because otherwise they wouldn't have been able to do it. Like mentally, the characters would have broken before they could finish it out. So yeah, check that out. Also, what else are you guys doing? I hope you're all watching Andor. I I really hope you're all watching Andor because it's really, really good. You yes. mentioned D&D 1, so now I'm Googling that stuff and reading that when I should be recording a mid-roll. <laughs> oh, well, it's... Uh, you're I, not it's, in the show anymore, so it doesn't... No, it, yeah, So it doesn't we, we left Silway, so... Yeah, you're so... Just, we, you're just hanging right. out. What you're am I even doing out. here? I'm not... <laughs> Shit. Sorry. I need to go on mute. Hold on. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, I think Andor's the Star Wars movie I've show I've been waiting for. I was just about to say, I'm like, this might be a hot take, but best Star Wars show yet. Yeah, it's... I don't know. It's it, it feels like it's Star Wars for grown-ups. Mm-hmm. Like, stripping aside all the cutesy stuff and the Jedi and everything else like that and, and going, like, this is what it would add. Like, the Empire feels powerful. Yeah, it's just, well, and it's a new story. It's just new, like, new characters, new places we haven't been, new everything. Like, we're, like, no more ties to Skywalker or anything it's like it's it's refreshing it's new and it's just it's the writing and the acting it's just everything is just done so well and it's just yeah it's it's like a breath of fresh air it's like uh as four episodes in and we haven't seen tatooine yet so that right there i mean listen yeah like we went back to well i don't don't want to talk about spoilers but But yeah if you (laughs) no if you haven't if you haven't seen it yet it's really really good um yeah I don't know. I haven't. I don't even have a Rings of Power update because I've not watched another episode, uh, and not that I'm actively out on it. I honestly just keep forgetting it's on. I'm two episodes behind, and I think that speaks volumes. <laughs> I'm out. That like I'm not eager to dive into it every week. I watched the pilot, and I was like, nope. I like it as a high fantasy story. I do not like it as a Lord of the Rings story. That one. That one. That's it. Adam's like, this crap again. <laughs> I, I have to confess that um, after saying that I wasn't going to watch it until 
like all the episodes were out, I did hit a fit of desperately needing a distraction, and I am current through the most recent episode. And all I have to say about it is that when the rest of you all watch the most recent episode, there will be an inevitable question, and the answer is, uh, no, that is not how that works in real life, but, uh, but I'm okay with it because magic. Well, now, that... <laughs> All right. So I think we should end this uh, mid-roll now. Um, do you have anything to add, Adam? Oh, no, I'm, I'm awake. I'm good. <laughs> I, I'm just going to say, if you're not watching Lower Decks, you should. It's amazing, and I squealed for the entire duration of the last episode. <laughs> All right, on that note, back to the show. The group of you find yourselves on the eastern road heading out of town. Unlike many of the towns that you've been in, this one seems sprawling and spacious. Even Tyr itself was building upon building, stacked up against one another, almost as if each structure was fighting for air. But Tyrfall is almost sprawling and spacious. If there was sort of a fantasy version of suburbia, you'd imagine this is kind of what it would be. Uh, houses with yards, hedges, cobblestone streets. It's all very pleasant and tranquil. The East Road heads out of the central district, the, the government area where the shops are. So you've gone to a general store, you've gone to an apothecary. In season one, we would have spent two hours role-playing through each of those, but we're wiser now. Add whatever I want, then. Well, um. you know, within reason. I mean, <laughs> most potions, basic potions, you can definitely get. Plus five, great sword. Long since given up keeping track of money in this game, I've noticed. I, you, Honestly, you guys have a ton of it, and you're rarely in town, so I, it's not worth it. Not all of us have a ton of money. Silway has a lot of money. I mean, she took most of it with her, but Silway had a lot of money. That's true. Okay, so the group of you depart the commercial district along the East Road. Ahead of you, rising up and over the canal, is a very large suspension bridge. The bridge itself arches up and over a sparkling canal. Below you, barges assemble in a line, waiting for their turn to enter the locks for their journey up the river. And the group of you cross the bridge, and it's, again, it's a gorgeous view. You can see ahead of you, on the far bank, the village becomes even less dense, if that's possible. With And the house is a little bigger, as if these are sort of manor houses on the ex the exterior on the outside of town. And soon enough, the you can see that the road ahead of you disappears into what looks like rolling green foothills. The group of you cross the bridge through the outskirts of town. Your dogs barking, children laughing as the sounds of city life, village life are left behind you. On either side of the cobbled road are hills of green grass, maybe two or three feet high. The grass seems to wave in the wind, like the roiling 
of the sea. And all you hear in your ears is the wind rustling through this grass. It is peaceful. It is almost perfect. The road winds on for some time, and the hills begin to get lower. The grass begins to get shorter and starts to fade from the brilliant green to browns and yellows. And soon the grass is sparse, and you see that ahead of you is are no longer hills, but sort of a vast kind of empty plain. It's nearly sunset, or when you arrive at the only crossroad, it's not really a crossroad, it's more of a long dirt road leading off of this cobbled road. A fence runs the length of the property, and the road is barred by a wooden gate. The gate is not locked, just clasped shut. Rising up above the gate is a wooden sign arching overhead, and written on the sign is Twinhorn Ridge Ranch. And there's a symbol carved into the sign. You're looking up at the sign when you see, bounding into sight, is an enormous, almost looks like white cotton ball with legs. As it sort of bounds across the road, you hear a ba, and then another one, and then another one, as dozens of like almost overfluffed sheep bounce their way into view. Like, you can't even fully see their faces. It's just like this little black muzzle and little black hooves and then white cotton balls. You think this may be the place. I can't remember. Are we on horseback for this? Or how are we? Or have we walked all this? Uh, that's up to you guys. I mean, did you did you get secure? I mean, I assume Rotan is on Concord. Yes. So I assume you all have horses that you obtained in town. Uh, Winley uh, has a donkey. Horse is a bit large. Oh, sure. Well, no, sure. I believe that they are sheep, Gruber. Oh? Of the unshorn variety. Never seen a sheep like that before. They are mighty fluffy. I wonder if this um, cowboy will let us shear some fluff. Oh? Pack it in my bedroll. They look like little clouds. Yes, they do, darling. Scampering across the road. <laughs> yes, you, don't you remember when you couldn't go to sleep? I told you to count cheap. Oh. Why don't Why don't you try doing it now? Oh, okay. One, two, three, four, five. <laughs> okay, that's all right. Six. You get the game. You get it. Oh, okay. Oh, you to myself. Yes, darling, oh, in your head. Oh, in, in, oh, okay. Yes. Okay. Find me to sleep. <laughs> <laughs> Come back for another thrilling episode of Multi-Class <laughs> Yeah. Morgan Freeman's voice comes in. And legend has it that Gruber's still counting to this day. <laughs> Will Gruber reach 100? Find out next time on Multiclass Theater. Ne- next week on Multiclass Theater. 28. 72. 29. <laughs> oh, I lost count. I need to start over. <laughs> okay, you find yourselves at the gate and you see a bunch of unsheared sheep capering about. What is beyond the gate? 
Beyond the gate is a long dirt road that seems to wind into the distance. And while the ground is mostly flat, the road seems to kind of descend a little bit into almost what you imagine you imagine maybe a, a slight valley because you can't really see uh, the end of the road. It kind of disappears. Uh, and the gate, is it, it's a large gate and it's locked? Yeah, it's like, I mean, so. if you think of our, a, like your typical ranch, you know, it's, okay. it's like a wooden gate. It's oh, latched okay. so the sheep can't get out, but it's not locked and it's not high. It's just like a low fence, maybe three okay. feet. No, it's high to Windley, but it's maybe three feet high. Any um, trespassers will be shot signs? Cassie, are there any trespassers <laughs> will be shot signs? Uh, I think you'll find out the reason why there doesn't need to be here very shortly. So no, there are no trespassers will be shot signs. Well, I say we are. We go in. Yes, right. let me open the gate because I can actually reach it. Okay. And when he goes and unlocks the latch and sort of flings it back and hits Rodon. You fling the, the gate back, and it b- kind of bounces into Concord, who looks not too <gasps> happy. No, no, that's the worst. Well, he <laughs> no, is, he is on he is on he's on Concord's back, so but he's okay. No harm done. Watch it, careful there. Okay, so you're going to go in. Mm-hmm. Yep. Okay, so you follow the dirt track down. For some ways, before it begins to descend, it's it seems to be on a downward grade, so it's descending the whole time. Around you, the sheep seem to wander and caper aimlessly. They don't seem threatened by you in any way. Uh, they don't react negatively to you. And as the road descends and turns, you see in the distance a long, low ranch house with a porch on front couple rocking chairs. Off to your right is a barn and looks like a small fenced-in area off the barn. And you see sitting on the front porch of the ranch house is a man in one of the rocking chairs. He's got his hat pulled low down over his eyes. You can't really tell if he's asleep or awake as he rocks gently. As you get close, you see that he's got one of the pieces of tall, dried grass in the corner of his mouth. Excuse me, we are looking for a uh, cowboy. The man looks up at you, flicks his hat upwards. Y'all say you're looking for a cowboy? Oh, uh, yes, I, I, I think that's what we're looking for. He looked looks at his companions. That's that's what we're looking for, right? Yes. Cowboy, huh? Yeah. This ought to be good. Uh, not a cowboy. The cowboy. Oh, the cowboy. <laughs> Whew. Well, did you come on a good day? Did we? And he puts he puts two fingers in his mouth. And lets out a very sharp whistle. Hey! They looking for a cowboy! Did you say a cowboy? Comes from the barn in the dark recesses that you can't quite see. Are you the cowboy? (laughs) (laughs) The man on the porch seems to giggle slightly. 
cowboy. <laughs> Man. Well, you're not. Ah, now that be true, little lady, I am not. So, well, I think there's your answer. So, are, are they going to come out, or, or should we go in? Oh, I think you should go in. Oh, all right, thank you. Uh, what was your name? My name's Buck. Okay, Buck, oh, thank you for the uh, vague but useful information. Oh, no, thank you. Oh, no, thank you. <laughs> thank you. This is this is giving me some really creepy over the garden wall like they're walking into that big barn where all those scary pumpkins are. This is the vibe that I'm getting in. I don't like it. Yeah. Mist just marches right at this barn. <laughs> what do my uh, what do my devil sight eyes see peering into the dark of this barn? So, it's really only dark near the back end of it and even then there's a pretty big door that's on the other side of the wall that leads off into a smaller little paddock that you can't see because it's on the other side of the barn and near that in this sort of fenced off area you see a pair of very pointed bull's horns almost cow level Mm. and you can hear some snipping of shears. Not what I expected. Oh, sir! I think it's a cowboy, sir. Perhaps it is more of a cowman, Gruber. Oh, cowmen. I didn't know they were cowmen. I knew they were catmen. And we saw birdmen. I think I even saw a fishman once. Well, if they are cowboys, then uh, by logical extension, there should be cowmen. Oh, sir. I am a little bit old to be called a boy, but cowman sounds a little strange, but... No, we... It does sound strange. Look, we'll apologize on that one. <laughs> we had... We were sent with bad information. Shocking no one. I doubt it if you found me here. Well, no, but, like, they told us you were the, quote, cowboy. If that was, like, not cool, if that... If, if you don't appreciate that appellation feel too old for that, then, then I apologize uh, on behalf of, of myself and the, my companions here. Um, like I said, we were told we thought it was more of a job description rather than a personal description. It can be both. Fair enough. Y'all y'all, give me a minute. Yeah, no worries. And he finishes with the shearing sounds and he stands up. He is quite tall coming in. About seven feet. Holy shit. (laughs) He is got black, smooth hair that goes the length of his body. Not all one strand. He's not like gorgeous, luscious locks. He's just a furry person. And he's got these pretty classic corriente, like the big, wide, U-shaped horns. And he gives the fleece that he has been shearing... Uh, toss over his shoulder, uh, over his shoulder, and he gives this now hilariously scrawny sheep, who is hairless, a light tap. Go on, Marilou, you get out of here. And she bounds out through that paddock, and then he approaches. He finally comes out into the light. This is a a large 
Minotaur. Oh, sir, that sheep's naked, sir. Gruber, darling, this isn't the time. I'm sorry. It really isn't. <laughs> I'm sorry, you killed me. Because <laughs> all I can think of, you all know Wallace and Gromit, right? All yeah. I can think of is when they, like, <laughs> they shore the sheep and then, like, make little sweaters for the sheep out of... <laughs> <laughs> Out of, uh, oh gosh. <laughs> Don't draw attention to it, Gruba. You may make the sheep feel awkward. Oh, yeah, yes, sir. Sorry, sir. So you're very big. Thank you. You're very mid sized. Well, thank you. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh- we have been led to believe that you are familiar with the way east. Oh. Yep. Out into the desert, huh? Yes. Well, I suppose I could help you out. My, uh, my guiding days are behind me, as you can see. And he kind of gestures at the ranch and the sheep. But, uh, I suppose I can help you folk if you need it. Uh, we were told by, um, Sodal... That you could help us. <laughs> okay. Oh, yeah, right. <laughs> Don't got much choice there, then. <laughs> Not that I wouldn't help y'all anyway, but that's a special request. And what's your your name? Name's Sarbuck Kicksteer, but you can call me Buck. That there's Kevin, and he points at the man on the porch. I thought that was Buck. <laughs> you've been you've been telling people you're me again. Well, just kind of pulling their leg. They kind of seem like they... I'm sorry, I was just amusing myself. I know you told me not to do that, but... I'll tell you, I just find the whole cowboy so darned amusing. Can't fault you, your harmless fun. No, I reckon not. You heading out again? You don't get many people out here, do you? Eh, not really. Usually take the sheep out to them. Occasional traveler. Uh, Cassie, did you finish your description? I, I know we kind of jumped into the... I don't know if there was more that you wanted to add or if you were... So, as he steps out into the light, while his coat is very dark, he's got this pretty long scar that runs diagonally. As far as you can see, he's still, like, wearing a shirt. Um, but it it's hard to disguise a scar that's that big and running that direction across his chest. And he's got these big, gentle, soft mahogany cow eyes with those unreasonably long lashes that cows have where they're just like a touch too pretty. And off of one of his horns, he's got a uh, gold cuff that has a small gold shield emblem with a star carved on it. And this is the same emblem that you saw on the sign at the entrance to the ranch. So where are you folks headed? That's a missed question. (laughs) Uh, Pardon me, just a second here. (laughs) Just updating my... So that bad. was actually like my inner my inner thoughts speaking <laughs> because anytime someone asks anything logistical, I wait for Mike to we're, say We're so bad. <laughs> well while, while he's getting his self together, why don't why don't y'all introduce yourselves? I don't I don't who are you? Oh, hello, Mr. Buck. My name is Windley. Well that's about it. 
and this here is my boyfriend, Gruber. Oh, hello, Mr. Kalman. <laughs> Howdy there, Gruber. And this here is my wonderful son, Cashew. <laughs> Ooh, the look of confusion on his face is not subtle as he looks from you to Gruber to Cashew. <laughs> Gruber and sort back. of clumsily kind of raises his hand as if sort of blocking his Oh, he's he's adopted. <laughs> oh yes, no, I I didn't birth him. Um, <laughs> okay. but that doesn't make it any less my son, of course. Um, we had a soul connection, you see. I think he can talk. Doesn't make him any more your son. <laughs> Please shut up. <laughs> anyway, um, yes. Desmond, for the love uh, of God. <laughs> Desmond, Desmond, pleasure to meet you. Oh, and I am our Roton von Bastard. At your service. Oh, quick question for you. Are you evil? <laughs> Not as far as I know. Well, that's good enough for me. <laughs> this is our problem, guys. <laughs> Are y'all evil? No. Do I need to be worried about my sheep? No. No, no, of course not. Rotan has a thing with evil. It's a, it's a compulsion. I do not stand for it. Yes. Well, fair enough. I, I suffer with homicidal impulses. So did one of our past companions. But it's only when it's a bad or other evil person. I don't feel it towards kind and wonderful people. Or even semi-okay people. Only evil or bad. Oh, and we would never hurt a sheep. Oh, no, never. No. We would never. No, yeah. sheep's is people. Sometimes you need to trade them for brick. Um. <laughs> <laughs> Buck doesn't even blink. He just nods very sagely at Gruber. <laughs> oh, God. Well, uh, and this is our cat, Mist. You're, you've had that backwards. These are my people. <laughs> but... Spoken like a cat. Right? Anyway, uh, <laughs> Mist on the River. Pleasure. Um, yeah, we are... We're heading to, um... Well, you know, Cisha. Um, specifically looking for... Mist kind of glances at Kevin. Are we, are, we, are we good to, like... You know what? Whatever. We were sent this way. Is this is this top secret? Uh, I, well... Kevin, close your ears! Hmm. Little bit. It's more. Uh, close my ears. All right, fine. One. All right. Two. You got the adult gauntlets three, on. Go ahead. Four. We are looking for a group called the Order of Chaos, and specifically uh, the tomb belonging to one of their, well, their founder. That's like that's like end goal at the moment, but. Uh, Getting across the desert to Cisha, step one. Have you heard of the Order of Chaos? Does that ring any bells? Diana, does that ring any bells? I give me a history check. Oh, <laughs> oh yeah, that's a seven. Uh, it doesn't sound familiar to you. You did not hear of them in your wanderings and travels. Well, lucky for me, I, I don't know who that is. But I do know the way to Cisha. That is, that is, that is would be a huge help. It's not easy, but we can get you there. 
sorry, this just seems like it's going entirely too well, and I'm waiting for another shoe mm-hmm. to drop. He he looks around very earnestly up at the sky like he's waiting for something to fall. <laughs> and in the silence you hear, 29, 30, oh, 31. Kevin, it's okay. All right, we're, 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 I guess we're good then. Oh, okay. Sweet. Yeah, we, we would, uh, I mean, obviously, you know, it's, it's, we don't have to like, we're not like, all right, let's go. You know, um, whatever you, you're agreeing to help us, much obliged. You know, we are putting ourselves in your ample, ample hands at this point. All right. Well, I just need to get my sheep all settled up so Kevin can take care of them and, uh, We'll get your, your noble steeds here all rested and watered and ready to go, and then probably head out in the morning. Earlier we go, the better, so you're not stuck in the sun too much, but whenever we're ready. Can we help with anything as a means of, just as a, as a thank you for, for your assistance? Is it... Oh, oh, can I shave a, a sheep? Darling. I'm sorry, I just, I, I think it would be a lot of fun. I do have to say, your your sheep are quite fluffy, and, um, well, I do have a pair of medieval shears that I just sharpened. Um, would you... The tracks. <laughs> Is anyone surprised? Would you mind if we, um, just took a little of your, um, the sheep's wool? Well, I, I suppose, but you're gonna need to clean it, because that stuff is mighty stanky. Clean what? Like, they look clean, but they full of dirt and... Oh, that's all right. That's all right. Gruber, you don't mind doing that, do you, darling? Oh, no. No, I love you. I wash Concord every day. Yes. He loves to wash animals. I do. Well, you'll fit right in here, then. Now, we need to we need to rustle these here sheep. I don't know if y'all know anything about that. Uh, we can get a couple shorn for you. Take a little bit of wool, but mostly just rest up, because this is going to be a hell of a journey. I've, I've seen a dog do it. It's just you run at it and you make lots of noise, like a barking sound. Yeah, why don't you give it a go there, sport? <laughs> hey, grouper. <laughs> Climbs down off his mount. This takes out a bag of popcorn from somewhere. And you see him start running at sheep. His arms, like high and waving over his head as he goes, Oof! 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 Oh, <laughs> uh, yes. So you said it would be challenging. What are... What what sorts of dangers are we looking at that, that we should be prepared for? And, and while you're asking your question, you see that some of the sheep are actually being wrangled by Gruber. Some of them not, <laughs> but some of them are. Oh, he's a natural. And he he looks down at Cashew. Your daddy. You should be proud. You're doing good work. Uh. Um, but yes, getting back to... Well, actually getting back to a question Rotan asked. It's quite a surprise for me. What kind of peril um, are we going to face on this journey? Well, aside from the varmints... Probably the the biggest risk is going to be the sands. And when the wind kicks up, it can blow out the trail. You won't know where it's at. You may not even know where you're at. And if you can get past that, not dying in the sun is a big one. 
And that'll get you as soon as any of them varmints will. Roman bands of bandits. <clears throat> yeah, if I may interject. Um, specifically, there are two groups of nomads that wandered the desert. In the south are the Jimbari. They are very wary of travelers and strangers uh, on their lands. On the north are the Tila, who are tribes people who roam the north. And the two don't like one another, so um, there are often battles between them. Well, now, there are a couple of groups that they don't care for each other and they don't care for outsiders, but I've had fair dealings with them in the past, and I feel like if I take a little bit of extra wool with us, maybe they'll let us pass unaccosted. We're just going to have to be real nice. We're going to have to be real respectful with them. As long as we're not tramping around and making our presence known too much, we should be okay. How often have you made this journey? Oh, it's been a fair few years now, but right after right after my, my military service and I started guiding before I settled down here, I was going back and forth across this desert quite a bit. I think it m- might be a good idea to, um, if it were okay with you, um, could I call you Bucky? Please. Um, if you gotta. <laughs> well, I gotta. Okay. <laughs> Could we leave Cashew, and preferably uh, Gruber, here? I I know they would absolutely love to to be farm hands, and I'm sure Kevin wouldn't mind the help. I just I can't really imagine my little Cashew and. I really can't imagine Gruber getting lost in the sand somewhere. I don't know, Roton, what do you think about it? Oh, I think Gruber's perfectly capable of handling himself in a desert. Okay. Well, I don't think Cashew is. And I really don't want to be worried about him the entire time. So, would it be alright if... Kevin, would you mind looking after my darling... I'm sorry, what? You want me to look after a raccoon? It's her baby. It's my son. Oh, wait. Okay. Hold a minute. Perhaps, perhaps don't think so literally. I don't know why that's suddenly fashion to think so literally. Oh, I'm saying you're saying it's a metaphoric baby. No, I'm telling you I adopted him. Oh, you adopted... Oh, I thought it was like one of them thoughts with another thoughts hat on thing. No, you're saying it's your adopted... Okay, I got you. Yes, he's awfully friendly. Sorry, what was their question? I'm, I'm, I'm confused. Yes, would you mind watching him as we go on this journey? He's happy to help, aren't you, darling? He's happy to help what? Assist you in anything you'd like. Like what, eat my trash? No, he doesn't eat trash. Well, I don't... I've, I've only ever seen raccoons eat trash and... Break into stuff. Had a mess of them. Got best in the barn a few seasons back. Yes, well, I can't account for every raccoon on the planet. Oh, no, no offense, little missy. I don't mean to rustle your spurs. I'm just saying that I don't know nothing about no raccoons. Uh, so Kevin turns to uh, look at Cashew, and Cashew is sucking on his paw. 
and has like the puss in boots eyes. I thought you said something else for a second. <laughs> oh, sorry. I was like, I'm sorry. Bless you. He, he was sucking on his little <laughs> thumb. Behave. On his little thumb. Uh, Multi class theater after dark. <laughs> uh, no. <laughs> No, um, and he has like the puss in boots eyes, and he w- kind of waddles over to Kevin. Well, now that is adorable, I'll have to say, but I'm not really the Karen type. I'm, I'm sort of a kind of loner sort of thing. I, I like to sit on a fence post and look off into the distance. Well, Cashew can do that too. You don't have to exactly nurse him or anything like that. He could just be like a a little companion for a little while. He can survive on his own. It would be tremendously useful if you could take care of him. (laughs) Yes, and I have a... I have... I just... Funny enough, um, I just picked up a wonderful fruit medley and a nut medley at the, um... at the, uh, store that would be enough for you and for Cashew. And she hands Kevin a huge, like, gorgeous medley of, like, dried mango and banana and and uh, walnuts and cashews as well. I don't know, boss. It's up to you. If you want me to watch this critter, I'll watch the critter. It's, it's your call. Oh, please, Bucky. And Buck kind of kneels down and tries to make himself small it's pretty impossible but he tries he leans over to cashew all right little buddy i'm gonna need you to help around this here this here ranch you see any of your little cousins run around wreaking havoc i need you to kindly ask them to stop okay if you could get your mama to stop calling me bucky i'd be mighty appreciative i think there little lady those are the terms of your deal. We'll watch the raccoon, but y'all got to give something in return, and that's calling my boss by his proper name. Yes, I understand. Is there somewhere I can sign? Um, no, we, we kind of go on the honor system here. You see, we don't go for contracts and, you know, sort of a your word is your bond kind of thing. Oh, okay. Um... Well, yes. You can spit in your hand and we can shake. Or there's that. That sounds lovely. (laughs) Okay. I gotta warn you, it's an actual, like, magic bond of a sort. And if you break it, I can't guarantee what happens to Cashew. Well, there's no need to threaten. (laughs) Um, I promise, after this moment... Hold on. Bucky. I will no longer call you that. Okay? My word, and she spits this, like, ridiculously huge glob of spit. Like, it take, it like almost takes over her entire <laughs> little paw. Let's shake. Gross and impressive. And then he hawks an equally sized spit into his hand and shakes your hand. Oh, lovely. Yeah, I'll tell you that. That was just beautiful, boss. All right, Kevin, keep it together. Sorry, you know I can weep about these things. I know, I know, I know. It's touching. So freaking disgusting. <laughs> <laughs> like, that amount, like, you know it's making noise. 
<laughs> it's wet. There's like a there's for a squelch sure. for sure. Uh. Buck takes out a handkerchief, wipes off his hand, hands it over to Winley. It's okay. The magic part's already done. You can wipe that off. You don't gotta carry it. Uh, <clears throat> Kevin gets up off the his rocking chair and walks over to Cashew and says, "Come on, little feller." Let's go help your paw rustle these sheep. And the two of them clamber off after Gruber to round up the rest of the sheep. Well, if that ain't the damn cutest thing I ever did see. <laughs> we'll have to get him like a little hat and some chaps. He'll be a proper cowpoke by the time you get back. Oh, oh, that sounds so adorable. He would love it. He'd get a little lasso as well. <laughs> oh, we're teaching him rope. <laughs> he would love to, I know. I'll be a proper menace after that. All right, let's get your your steeds settled up, get packed up for tomorrow. Okay, you bring um, Buck brings the your horses and Concord and Winley's donkey into the barn where there's hay, fresh hay and water for them to drink. Um, is there anything you guys wanted to do tonight? The only thing to do would be to make sure that like. All the water skins are filled up. Ones that we have and ones that we don't yet have but get for the sole purpose of not traveling across the blasted desert without precious life-saving water. Are you are you able to... Don't you have water? I was going to say, your... if only you had something that magically manufactured water. This is, <laughs> this is also true. But that means I won't be able to use it to make acid, just so you know. Or mayonnaise. Or mayonnaise, yes. So, the important things. I, I just want to say, from, from a supply perspective the jug of alchemy is not going to produce enough water it produces hang on eight gallons of fresh water or 12 gallons of salt water eight gallons of fresh water See, per day all the salt per water day. you need for a desert crossing <laughs> so <laughs> so eight gallons per day will 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 six what are we up to how Five, many six uh, people? gallons of water do you think a horse goes through in the desert uh yeah we do we have the horses um, excuse me, Buck. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. <laughs> did like the little I'm sorry. You put I... on that. <laughs> it's a little hard for me, but I'll get over it. Would it be smarter to go by foot or to go with the horses? Because we would need more supplies to take care of them. And my donkey, of course. And his name is Ass. Well, your donkeys will actually do a little bit better than your horses will. We can go on foot if you want, which is going to take us longer. You're going to have to carry your own water, which if we're going to minimize, I suggest we take the donkey and just load it up with water. There are places we can find it along the way, but average horse takes about five to ten gallons of fresh water every day. Oh, no, no, According no. to my knowledge and not Google. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> What's Google? Great question. But what if it's salt water? I guess we're dying. They take less, and only once. <laughs> Can a horse sustain itself on two gallons of mayonnaise per day? <laughs> How much water's in the mayonnaise? Probably why people tend to use camels to cross the desert. Camels are more fuel efficient that way. Yeah, no, in that case, it makes sense to kind of go, yeah, on foot. But speed is also important. Desmond, you're old. Will you be okay? <laughs> wow, tactfully put. <laughs> uh, I'm, uh, it's quite all right. 
um, used to it. I, I, I hope that I'll, uh, I'll, I'll I should, I should be alright. I, um, have magics that can, um, keep us cool if necessary. I can produce water and, and, uh, cool us down and so forth. I need to stop overanalyzing this. All my organ trail instincts have just kicked in. <laughs> yes. Need to look out for malaria and cholera. <laughs> Dysentery. I hear it's... <laughs> I hear those are they're just supposed to be very deadly or something. How many shotgun shells do I need to get to Oregon? <laughs> Hope we don't break your leg, because then we have to put you down. <laughs> Kevin says that ominously in the background. To cashew. To cashew. Oh, we're learning the hard ranch lessons today. <laughs> so, we're just taking one donkey, and... Going by foot. Is that the consensus? Just out of curiosity, are any of y'all familiar with the desert? I'm really more of a jungle cat. Uh, uh, yes, I understand it's very dry and hot. Oh, God, you're going to die. Well, you got the basics. <laughs> um, could you, well, well, since you asked, Buck, um, could you give us some pointers, things you think that we should know? Well, if you get heat stroke... You gotta tell me, because we gotta stop. We gotta cool you down, because that'll kill you. So, you're gonna want to watch out for suddenly stopping sweating. So, sweating, good. You stop sweating, that's the problem. You gotta tell me, okay? Number two. If you get thirsty, little sips. You don't chug the whole thing. You make yourself sick, and you'll waste all your water. Three, we're probably gonna stop before it gets to the hottest part of the day, and we're gonna make up a tent, and we're gonna sleep in that. We're going to take a good old nap, because you don't want to be walking when it's the hottest part of the day. You're going to get sunburnt, you're going to get tired, you're going to get dizzy, and you're going to fall over and die. So, we don't want that. And if it gets to be kind of a sandstorm, we got to stop, we got to make camp, we all got to stay in the same place. I'll probably have to tie us all together so none of y'all wander off into the desert and get lost forever. You're going to have sand in places you ain't never had sand. It's just going to happen. I'm sorry for that. And you don't think it's going to be bad, but I just you need to make peace with it right now. You're going to be spitting sand out of places that you never wanted sand. It's coarse. It's awful. It gets everywhere. If you see a mirage, you tell me. Because maybe it might not be, but don't trust your eyes necessarily. you got to trust your friends. What does a mirage look like? could look like just about anything. Mostly it looks like like water, but that's just the heat coming off of the ground and sizzling the air up a little bit. Oh. And you can actually see it. Hmm. But if you get delirious, you gotta tell me because we gotta stop because you're having a heat stroke. But mostly, and this is this is the most important, we just gotta have a little fun out there. It's gonna be good. We're gonna be fine. <laughs> Excellent. All right. Two questions. Two answers. Uh, well, actually, it's really just one because if I do both of them, one of them is just going to step on the other. While we're crossing the desert, do we need to be mindful about the the rhythm of our of our of our footfalls, lest we attract Shai Hulud? <laughs> well, I thought you said you ain't never been to the desert. <laughs> I do not understand. It's, it might get spicy, but it's fine. Ah. Uh... Damn it, I was thinking of spice puns. Beat me to it. <laughs> Look, if I stop, you stop. If I start running, you start running. 
<laughs> Preferably in the same direction. Um, I, I didn't happen to pick up any sunscreen at the general store. Do you think that, um, if we put all that mayonnaise in the ball jars, that we could put that on and it would deflect the sun's rays? You really wanted the mayonnaise in the jars? I thought you wanted acid in the jars. Well, no, I, I have my own jars for acid. I like the little round ones, not not the ball jars. <laughs> of course, now I'm Googling this. <laughs> I, think the, I think the egg would just cook, and then you'd be more like a brulee than you would sunblocked. Well, do you have any sunscreen? Well, what we can do is when you get sweaty, we're going to smack you with some dirt, and then that dirt's going to act like a physical barrier. It's not going to be comfy, but you won't be sunburnt. Oh, okay. Well, thank you. We'll just have to find something else to do with the mayo. Wow, that sounds like a problem I never thought I'd have. Why you all got so much mayo? <laughs> why, and why do we have to do something with it? I missed this part of the conversation. I don't, because I'm a very resourceful person, and I just feel like since we have it, we should try and do something with it. Right. Do you know we could sell it? We could can it in the bowls, and then we can sell it on our journey to these, um, these, um, people you said that might not like us very much. You never know. Maybe they don't know what mayonnaise is, but it could be a peace offering. Hello, you might not like me, but I have jars of mayonnaise. It's a (laughs) win-win. Hot mayonnaise. (laughs) Actually, not a bad idea. We could, perhaps if, if all of this business doesn't work out, we could start a mayonnaise business and, and, you know, there's no cost of production, so we cut back on that. <laughs> do you know people actually do use mayonnaise <laughs> for sunburns? Really? That's what, okay, I'm not an idiot. I deadass was like, could we just use mayonnaise? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it... People do that. <laughs> it doesn't sound like it does much medically, but it's cool and... If your skin's dry, the oil is mm-hmm. nice. Yes, yeah, oil, and it's got protein in it, which, if you've been frying your hair with hair dye, is yeah. great. Yeah, 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 no, people use uh, mayonnaise for uh, hair masks. Yeah, apparently you can use it as a hair conditioner as well. Mm-hmm. Mm. That makes sense. Anyway, anyway, we've got very <laughs> sidetracked. I'm so sorry, I just... Today on a thousand and one uses for mayonnaise. <laughs> <laughs> Hot desert mayonnaise. On multi-class theater after dark. (laughs) (laughs) Hot desert (laughs) mayonnaise. Tonight's episode. Hot desert mayonnaise. Hot desert mayonnaise. mayonnaise. (laughs) Hey, we can still do that for this mineral. So, just going that route, would it not make more sense to go ahead and fill the ball jars up with, or at least some of them up with water now? And then we can make, make the mayonnaise fresh when we need it to please people that we encounter in the wild. Mayonnaise. Yes. I, I, yes. Fresh for your pleasure. <laughs> no, I think that's a wonderful idea. And it could also be a hands-on experience for them yeah. to see how the mayonnaise is churned. Um, and then... <laughs> churned? Well, well, you have to shake the jug just so. It's an art. It's an art form. Artisanal no mayonnaise <laughs> poured fresh. Artisanal. So what actually happens is that it, it kind of 
erupts out like a, like an artesian mm-hmm. well, the spring. I'm crying. <laughs> I'm just here. Disgusting. It's all right. I'll make a sign as well. This is the third um, time I've tried this. Desert mayonnaise. The side just free mayonnaise. Okay, well, we have the plan for if we need um, the mayonnaise and we have the jars, but I will give you... So I have 12. So how about we fill with um, eight and keep four empty for if we have to go the mayo route. Meanwhile, in the background while you're having this conversation, Kevin and Gruber are a little ways up the road. Gruber has placed Cashew on top of one of the sheep, and Cashew is riding it like a little horse. Oh, Winley, Winley, look! It's like a little cow raccoon! But I guess it's a sheep, so it's a sheep. No, wait. I had this. Look! Yes, yes, I see. Good job. Everybody cheer. Everybody cheer now. Everyone cheer. Yay! Well done. <laughs> and there was much rejoicing. <laughs> Buck is actually tearing up a little bit. He wipes away a tear from one of his big, soft brown eyes. Gotta love a little cowpoke's first ride, you know? Yes. Oh, well. Any more preparing to do? <laughs> I guess not. Just rest up. Gonna be one heck of a journey. So the group of you spend the rest of the night out on the porch. Kevin makes you a fine dinner. Here's a quick question. Does Buck eat meat? Buck does not eat meat. Okay. So Kevin rustles you up a fine dinner of roasted corn, and he's got some tofu that is his pride and joy, and some other plants from the garden. He makes this cauliflower puree that's, well, it's just to die for. And the group of you have a pleasant meal. You spend some time around a fire staring up at the stars. Eventually you get tired. You turn in. The last to turn in are Winley, Gruber, and Cashew. Who sit together, close together, holding one another in front of the fire, staring up at the stars. And it's this image that you keep with you as you all drift off to bed that night as you think about one more day one more farewell and you wonder just when or if there's another one coming only too soon Desmond ever find more answers than questions? Will Mist unlock the secrets of the Shard of Tear? Will Buck regret taking this job? Find out next time on Multiclass Theater.
now for an update from the Akvani Scully League. This season is proving to be full of surprises. In this week's action, the Shadow Realm Dans dealt a crushing blow to the Roth Sheilas. The Castle Starge Dreadguard put up a similarly strong showing, advancing to 3-1 over Shadow Realm Laz, who are now at an even 500. The airy bird brains are showing signs of life, getting their first win of the season over the Nebraska Half-Orcs, who also fall to 2-2. Two two. The King's Servant Ghosts will have to wait until next week to find their first win, as they have been bested by the Redfield Jerks. And in a battle of unbeatens, the Quarter's End Silver Sisters have just edged out the Sunport Tabashi. Stay tuned for more updates as the season goes on, or until someone tells me this bit needs to die. Unfortunately, like, I was struggling with the Vilma Furtzog lines, but I had one for time, but you never brought it up. <laughs> time in her presence. Where uh... she was going to say, Time is like a mother's love, daunting <laughs> and impenetrable. <laughs> Jesus. Oh, it's so good. <laughs> the the background there, Matt, is is for for one of our Patreon one offs, uh th- this was the, the CSI Hroth. I played a character named uh Vertzog Herner. Oh. Or was it Herner Vertzog? I forget. Herner Vertzog. Because you just swapped the Vertzog. letters. I'll have to go back that's and listen funny. to it. Yeah, I, that's we kept messing it up the entire thing. We it did. was amazing. His <laughs> it was perform- really I did not do it justice. Like, this <laughs> attempt was not doing... This you was the voice great. that I was, like, on the fence about. You were um, great. But, like, Adam, that character is... Between Adam's character and Rachel's character... Oh, Courtney! <laughs> Sabine, who <laughs> found herself... Found her inner Courtney and... I I was this close to moving, mm. like, to, to making your line, Rachel, be, like, the last line of the episode. <laughs> where where, 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 where uh, the professor's like, book him! And then Courtney's like, yeah, book it. <laughs> <laughs> so beautiful. She's such a good character. Uh, that was fun. It was really fun. Oh, uh, speaking of which, uh, only because you mentioned it before, uh, Winley, when you were at the general store, did you buy some ball jars so you so you can bottle some of that mayonnaise? Oh, <laughs> mist, mist, <laughs> mist. <laughs> Could you just Sorry. say yes or something? Sorry, that you called them ball jars and not mason jars, and now it's... They are ball jars. Well, I mean, I know they say ball on them, but sorry. Who the fuck calls them a mason jar? I, I usually... It, oh, I call them I mason I call them jars. mason jars, too. I said ball jars because that's what you called them last time, but yes, that's... Typically, I would have said mason jars. I've never heard ball jars. I'm just going to take the thought that I have, and I'm going to save it for multi-class theater after dark, and... <laughs> Lots of material getting built up for... Uh... What the actual... Nope. I would nope. just like to say, if dude. we ever did that, I think it would legitimately be the end of the podcast. Or the beginning. <laughs> of a different one. Ew. It's just the beginning. Ew. Oh my god, that is disgusting. Mm. Holy shit, bruh. Ew, I gotta get away from that. Hold on, I, I can't. I, that would honestly makes me air gag. I'm not kidding. I really hope Ames clicks on this channel again. <laughs> <laughs> Ames. 